Welcome to Empathy Power Up, a collaboration of two people who connected during the pandemic through their love of empathy and action. Two people from very different backgrounds, helping each other find ways to love themselves, understand their experiences better, and help reverse the rise of narcissism and the divides in our communities. We will cover various topics about the human experience to help us power up on tools of empathy and emotional intelligence in the pursuit of one simple goal, create a world where people seek to understand themselves and each other. This is a learning journey amongst fellow humans. We're all just figuring out life together. I felt like I was speaking another language. Everyone around me was stressed out and working long hours and lots of nights and weekends, to tell you the truth, and trying to get this project out the door. But I could see it clearly. We had an self-imposed deadline to get the work done. And it's this old familiar tape that I've heard before. So I suggested we give ourselves some extra time in the schedule and time to breathe and rest. But in the end, it was an unpopular opinion and I was overruled. And ultimately, we pushed ourselves to exhaustion to reach this goal, and the team was on to the next project in no time. This is the topic of today's conversation, our obsession with urgency that pulls us to get the work done faster and often better than anyone else. This specific scenario has happened more times than I can count And it's so frustrating to see us fall into this trap over and over again. So I'm curious, Kevin, can you tell me, what do you think is the rush? Where do you think that's all coming from? (laughs) Amy, uh, the rush, I love it. And I love this topic in that because it's so relatable to my experience. Um, before I answer that question, I wanted to share just that my relationship with this sense of urgency, this rush. And we are talking about, uh, as we continue on the journey of looking at different aspects of our system, our culture that are that are toxic to us, that are part of the white supremacy culture. And sense of urgency is a component of that. And my relationship to it was because uh, was I grew up in a system of rush. My school, my family, my parents, everything was get it done now. Now is the time, but as fast as possible, do as much as you can. And that was constantly the the sort of the perspective then and the motivation that I lived with. I didn't stay in the moment. I wasn't living in that moment. I was thinking about what's next. What do I do get next? So while I'm in that moment, I'm not really experiencing it or absorbing it or enjoying it. I am thinking about what's next. How do I get the next thing done? Move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing. And that keep that sense of urgency going. And what that did is it served me really well in our system because I was rewarded. I was celebrated for that sense of urgency. And we see that a lot of people who get a lot of done and really fast and just have this constant sense of urgency, they are celebrated, they're rewarded in, in, in workplaces and professional settings. And I was one of them. And I I think what it did is it did me a disservice. I was rushing in the short term, but losing out in the long term, long term of mental health, long term of physical health, long term of just life. And I think it's all coming from the system we live in. 
the system of consumerism, where it's it's this constant we the constant stimulation and the constant need to consume and consume and consume and take and re- use up as much resources as fast as possible, and to have that kind of consumerism, we need a system of production that is focused on profit and just producing as fast as possible, using as many resources as possible without thinking about the consequences, without thinking about all of the impacts that can happen. This is progress despite of impact. This is responding quickly without thinking. We are, the sense of urgency is basically my need is important and it needs to be met now, regardless, despite of other people's needs. And we see it in various places, but more most prominently that it impacts is in workplaces. And what ends up happening is we make choices, we put in systems that end up not being sustainable. Absolutely. I, I think the whole way we go about doing a lot of things in the workplace is very not sustainable. Um, you know, it was... Like that, going back to that experience before, like it was just like rush and you just like push, push, push. And then you're really on to the next thing. And, and like that sense of urgency, I'm like, we need to get it done now, even despite we knew how we were feeling. And it's almost just like forgetting our feelings and the rest and the rejuvenation we need to mm-hmm. keep going. Right. And mm-hmm. that's where it isn't, is really not sustainable. And I've been studying innovation and change for like a decade or plus. And I've seen there's always, almost always a sense of urgency attached to the work and project. For example, in, in management consulting work that I was in, it was always like, what is the deliverable you're hitting out? I was also in change management. So there's this idea of burning platform, they call it, which is essentially just being like, what is the reason why we need to change? And, um, and it's, there's this feeling like that burning platform is essentially being like, everything's burning around you. And that if we don't attend to it right now, get that product out the door, get that deliverable out the door, we're going to miss the moment. And when, especially when it comes to startups and this, this hustle culture, that moment is always tied to money. And that I mentioned hustle culture, it's really now there's such so much more awareness of it, but it's actually called like burnout culture now. It centers around this idea that when we're working long hours and sacrificing self-care, we are doing that because that's what success means. Um, And that there's a promise that if you give work all of your attention, you can achieve anything and everything. This idea of like meritocracy, which that does not exist. Um, so uh, when I also think about this idea of like startups and innovation culture is, is and I write about this in my book, is the innovation trifecta, I call it. Um, it's a Venn diagram of three different things that you kind of look for when you're building something new, a new program, a product or service. And um the three things you look for is like, you look for something, if something is desirable, do people want this? Then you look to find out if something is feasible, like, can we do this? And then finally, the third that part of that Venn diagram is viable. And will this be successful? And so innovation or that thing that you're creating, that new thing that's pr- providing value is in the center of those three things. And so, you know, there's lots of like, 
things that have been created to like design thinking, human-centered design to talk about desirability. Yeah, you want to be like, do people actually want to have this in the world? But the thing is, the question I have and the, the problem I have is that viable is almost always looked at through the lens of, I will I make money off of this? And when it comes to startup founders and venture capitalists, it's it's like, will I make a lot of money off of this work? Like they want hockey stick growth. And the problem is, is if we measure success by how much money we'll be making off of something, then that incentivizes us towards certain actions that prioritize that individual over the collective good. And, you know, a couple um, episodes ago, we talked about individualism and how toxic that is. So this leads to those unintended consequences where we're going back to that capitalistic society and um, then we really don't have that intention anymore. So um, the thing that I was suggesting, I suggest in my book is being like, all right, let's forget about viability, the, the money we bring in. Yes, you want to have something where it's sustaining you, right? And you want to make this sustainable, but to make this sustainable, we should ask if these things is necessary to have in the world. And what if we, when Facebook was created, we started thinking, Oh, is this something that is necessary? Should this exist? What are the social, environmental, and economic implications of our work? And because we also don't have a crystal ball, we know we can't always predict the future and we have to reevaluate that over time. And like Facebook, you know, hurting our democracy and a million other things are happening. There's good things and there's bad things, but they could probably have never thought about that when they were sitting around creating the code for this work. So this is the this is the thing that that is really um coming up for me when we talk about a sense of urgency and when it also when it comes to a sense of urgency when it comes to change and sustainable change something that Tema Okun which you mentioned before um uh Kevin was talking about um, Temo Kuhn created the principles of what's white supremacy culture, which is where the this list of things that we're going through is talks about. Um, and, and she talks about each one of these characteristics and we're kind of like interpreting it for ourselves. And she had this piece, um, part of the piece, and she said, rushing decisions takes more time in the long run because inevitably people who didn't get a chance to voice their thoughts and feelings will at best resent and at worst, undermine the decision because they were left unheard. And that really struck me, to be honest, when I was reading through that, because I see that over and over again. When you're trying to change a big culture, society, anything, really, there are people who are always left out, and there's lots of resentments. And I have personally have felt people trying to undermine your work because they didn't feel included. And, and that's that's stopping and any progress from really happening. So those are some unintended consequences I was talking about, those unintended consequences. Kevin, I want to hear from your perspective, what are some bigger problems that the sense of urgency causes? Yeah. I mean, I think what you highlighted is one of the, like the big problems is that trust is not there anymore. When we are rushing and people are not included or those unintended consequences happen and people who are impacted that were not involved in that decision-making, in that journey, in that process, trust is broken. 
And what ends up happening is that is much, much harder to heal, much, much harder to reverse. And so these these bigger problems um, sort of show up in uh, in in this idea, idea that Facebook put out years ago, move fast and break things. That was celebrated. That is like, oh, that is a Facebook thing. We're going to move fast and break things. And that was celebrated in media, celebrated by people about, oh, look at this is a company that's empowering their engineers to go do as whatever they can and break things and that's okay and and see what happens. But what ended up happening is a lot of unintended consequences. The company had to deal with a lot of that probably six, seven years down the road where it it basically was a platform that undermined our democracy and it led to so much vitriol and divide in our communities. And so, and that again, comes back down to the trust. It's, it was, the focus was, like you said, money and profit. It was, the focus was engagement. How do I keep people addicted to me or my platform or my product or my solution? So they keep consuming it instead of how do I get people to grow? How do I get life to grow? How do I get that to go and make it sustainable? But which I, I want to make sure we, I'm clear. It doesn't mean we can't make profit and the economy, and we're not saying it, it's it's completely free for all. I think what I'm saying is if we focus on growth, if we focus on sustainability and not on the on just the economy or the profit side of things, then those unintended consequences would likely be upfront and the people impacted or the communities impacted or lives impacted might have a seat at the table. Um, so we see a lot of harm when we're rushing through, when there's that sense of urgency, there's communication breakdown, two-way dialogues don't happen between parties because one party's rushing and then pushing the other party to rush. So corners are cut, compromise that could happen between the two, maybe doesn't happen because whoever's one party, if they're rushing further ahead, might take the lead without, and, and the other party might just be in for the ride. Or it's just that the compromises that are made are made with two parties and, and the four other unintended consequences part of people or parties aren't involved. And when we're rushing, usually the loudest voice in the room is heard and not all the voices or not other perspectives. There's an, um, communities of color are impacted more, more, um, more than the people in power and the communities in power. And we've seen this because the sense of urgency is let's do, 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 regardless of who's living near there. Let's put, let's make sure that um, these resources are um, available to my my community, but what about the other communities? There's power dynamics and this construct starts sort of taking more of that um, uh, away from other communities that are part of the unintended consequences mix. Um, people don't get a chance to learn from their mistakes. That's a really important one where we can pause, reflect, rest, process, and then learn from that mistake. But if we're just rushing, we are, what we're doing is making mistakes, dealing with the consequences, and then just moving, 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 instead of taking that pause, building those deeper connections, practicing empathy, creating opportunities for new insights and aha moments. And what all of this leads to, none of this is really giving us value, giving humans back value, other than making a few people really rich, but most of us are burning out. We're becoming irritable, stress, our mental health, physical health. We start building resentment towards each other. We don't communicate positively. We assume negative intent and we're living through 
and basing our actions through fear. And, and, and then when we're not rushing, we're shaming ourselves because, oh, look at that. They're rushing. I can't, but I'm, I don't have that sense of urgency. Maybe I'm feeling shame that I'm not good enough. And all of these things sort of start um, eating away at us. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> like there's that, that's really, when I think about it, it's like, there's, we're not making time for all these things that really do matter. And, and, you know, when I think about the great resignation that has happened in the past year, um, I think I call it the great awakening. <laughs> um, like mm, I like the great awakening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, cause it's, cause what we're doing is like, we're because we're not making time and the sense of urgency is not allowing us to have rest and reflection and, you know, shout out to, um, the nap ministry. Um, I love following them and Trisha Hershey just launched her book, um, around, um, rest and reflection and, um, trying to like take naps, you know, as a form of resistance. And, and that idea of like, you know, in order to be sustainable, to resist these things of burnout, fear, and shame, and I'm not good enough, we have to add times to speak and grow. And, um, and otherwise, if we don't do that, then we're going to be acting like robots who are just reacting to what's in front of us. And, and when we don't make space for that purpose and intention, um, let alone awareness and attention to our intentions, and I have a, a, a great teacher, a Buddhist meditation teacher, Tara Brock in the DC area. And one of my favorite talks of hers, uh, Dharma talk she has, she mentions that uh, this phrase that I, I bring with me in a lot of things. And it says, an awakening comes down to intention and paying attention. Again, it's like an awakening comes down to intention and paying attention. And I, I personally think that's a succinct way of saying that what's not present when we're working on a deadline or a sense of urgency, we give up so much when we put our blinders on with that sense of urgency. And then also to quote another great teacher, Deepak Chopra, like I'm feeling like a meditation kind of vibe when I was putting these thoughts together. Um, he also says, whatever you pay attention to grows. So if we're starting to pay attention to all these things that comes with a sense of urgency, that those feelings of like shame, fear, resentment, kind of gets bigger and grows within us. So while we can also pay attention to a sense of urgency, we can shift our minds to pay attention to the opposite. And so one way I learned how to do this is to lead with our intentions first, then paying attention to notice that impact we're having. And there's lots of different practices um, that have been thinking about this recently. One I think about is liberatory design practice. Um, so it's creating an intention and attention throughout the experience. So, um, and creating an intention at the beginning of every project, for me, it's like, looking through a prism and not your blind blinders. Right. So, you know, you don't have these, you're not, you're not having like this tunnel vision. You're actually, this idea of a prism allows you to separate what is white light into its very different colors. 
So, and that's the color spectrum. So you like think red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. And I think this is a metaphor for us where we can, instead of seeing the white light that that happens when we're in this place of a sense of urgency, that that it's very narrow view, we actually can open those that aperture up and and look at the different things that we should be looking at, like the political, economic, social, technological, like environmental, and even like legal implications that we're having. And then, you know, thinking about like at what cost when we create something new, like at what cost is are we having it, right? So is it going to create a cultural cost, a social cost? Um, and the a bigger question we should be asking perhaps is, does it improve upon this dysfunctional system that exists today? Are we making the world better by this existing? And, you know, healthcare, education, like, you know, you know, the the flights, a lot of flights were just canceled the other day, like because a system broke, right? Like we like we should like think about these systems that underline everything that we do. So um, so there's lots of different um pathways. I mentioned liberatory design. I also mentioned like equity. I'm also mentioning the equity centered community design by Creative Reaction Lab helps us look at the lens of like through these things, the lens of like history and power and like, how do we kind of lead to healing with each other? Um, this is of course, is talking about like the big construct of like what we're looking at, like how, how, what history does this team have? What kinds of projects we're having? Who's holding the power here? Who's in the room? Who isn't in the room? And which identities are present there? So, um, so, you know, that this is a lot of it at the beginning, putting that effort in is really going to allow us to like bring that sense of awareness to the forefront so that as we do this work, as we go about doing it, you know, between each other, but also the communities we work in and serve and, and communicate with, um, it allows us to create, if we create moments to then pause, reflect on and measure, um, if we're really having the impact that we really want to have in the world. So those are some ways that I'm thinking and I'm thinking in my like design brain um, that we can bake this into the, to the project. But Kevin, like, I know you work day in and day out with in, you know, a, a company culture. I'm under, I'm trying to understand how are you overcoming rushing into things in your work um, line of work? Yeah. I, I think that I had to, I had to really work on setting that intention. I, in fact, as as recent as 2022 is where I finally slowed down because I said, you know what, I need to slow down. I started last year and I started sort of learning and uh, about this. And thank you, Amy, you hooked me up with NAP, NAP Ministry and I follow NAP Ministry and, on Instagram and I learned a lot. And that sort of helped me, like you were one of the people that helped me in that journey to slow down. And what it ended up doing is it it let me slow down and be in the moment now. I am still fast in my overall life in the long term, and I still am feeling like I'm doing what I want to do and all of those things. But I'm in the moment. I'm I've slowed down. And the way we do that in the in the company is not creating a fake sense of urgency for things. Um, realizing and asking ourselves what is truly urgent. If my product or my server is down for another five minutes, 
what are the consequences of that? So if my if the person working on it needs to go take a break and feed their child, that's okay. We need to understand and really reflect. And I do that is like, okay, is this truly urgent? And when I reflected back on my life, I was like, there's lots of things that I thought were urgent. And I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm on an, an urgent mission that weren't really urgent. I could have just slowed down and I would have probably had the same outcome, probably a better outcome. So resting, pausing is a way to take that sort of um, that measure of ourselves, measure of the mistakes we made, measure of the opportunities that are ahead of us. Look at the unintentional consequences. Now what I do is part of our grading a product or writing requirements is also writing what are the unintentional consequences we can think of. Adding that into the upfront, like you said, the attention and the intention, setting that intention of we will try to think through as many unintended consequences. And then who are the customers and who is being impacted and how can we bring their voice early on into the into the conversation? All the people, all the teams that are impacted, how do we bring their, their uh, position into the um, planning phase of the projects? And we want to, we want to, not build a system where this sense of urgency to go deliver so that people are urgent is is something that is the focus of our culture. Rather, our focus of the culture is being thoughtful, being intentional, delivering. It doesn't mean we don't meet deadlines. It doesn't mean we don't deliver. We have. And in fact, we've delivered a product and services that are ranked number one by being thoughtful and intentional. We are, in fact, being we are differentiating from our competitors as well. So in a way, this rest slowing down is a differentiation. And, and I realize that and I'm working in a space where we can do that because we are taking the time to pause, reflect, look at the risks from all aspects, and then look at the impact first and work back from the impact. An example, a quick example I'll share is uh, we make products for kids and parents to help parents and kids communicate and connect as one of the products. And parents asked us for, hey, we would like to put a reward system into the app so that whenever a kid does something that we like it, we'll give them points and then they can use the points to do something. So it's like this extrinsic reward thing. We loudly, we got a lot of customers asking for it. So in the sense of urgency culture, we would have just said, all right, the customer's asking for it. Competitors are already doing it. Let's do it. But what we did, we paused. We looked at it. We went to, we looked at CDC. We looked at research. We looked at all of this and found that if we had done this, it would have caused long-term negative impact to kids because they would have been then habituated and creating habit based on extrinsic rewards, not intrinsic uh, motivation. And there's research. In fact, CDC said, don't do this. This is bad for your kids in the long term. And so we didn't do it. And so we took that pause and we slowed down and we, we sort of set intention, gave that attention, and we made that choice. And I think that's how we can start sort of looking at it. And, and I think your prism example is so such a great way to sort of visualize this. So the question we're leaving you with today is how are you prioritizing rest for yourself? And how are you limiting urgency to truly the urgent things in your life? Empathy Power Up is produced by Amy J. Wilson and Kevin Shaw two people who bonded over their love for creating a deeper sense of empathy in the world. You can reach Amy at Real Amy J. Wilson and Kevin at Shaw Kevin.